0: Sorry for the interruption. Coming up is a podcast brought to you by the dedicated and diverse volunteers at 3CR. Our podcasts keep community strong and for the month of June, we're asking listeners to donate to the station to help keep us going. We rely on the generous donations of the community to survive. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate and show your support for community owned and community
1: run media. Happy listening.
2: And a very warm welcome back to
0: Solidarity Breakfast.
1: A left response to the major developments in capitalism. What they
0: trade in is not wheat, they trade in famine. A little dose of revolutionary optimism. I think it's really important to sort of express solidarity globally.
3: It really is a deal by
4: corporations for corporations.
0: The Union forever
2: defending our rights with
3: the black If you think the ABC's left wing, don't listen to this program.
1: Solidarity Breakfast 730-9am to 9 a.m. Saturdays, 3CR 855 a.m. Streaming, and 3CR Digital, Podcast or Audio on Demand. And of course, the website, solidaritybreakfast.org.au Solidarity
5: Forever!
0: Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for 3CR Breakfast on Saturday, Solidarity Breakfast. And of course, it's incredibly nippy out there. I don't know if nine degrees is the nippiest. Apparently, last Wednesday was a Baltic, as someone said, uh, in my acquaintance. Uh, but, uh, yes, it's definitely been, um, a, a beginning of winter. The, uh, the uh, person across the road who runs the shop from where I live, who's from China, he goes, Oh no, it's so cold and there's never any warning. <laughs> but that, of course, is what Melbourne is all about, it's variable weather. And, uh, the, uh, of course, the big end of town has got off the chocks with a sprint with the loss of their, uh, brown nosing government, uh, calling for a, uh, a helping hand to the big uh, gas corporations that have been ripping the country off and uh, pretending that uh, uh, gas is a uh, a fossil fuel with green credentials and uh, we should all worry about their bank balance. But, of course, it's been... Uh, talk, uh, talked up as if it's all about jobs and uh, the household bills. What rotten people they are. Rotten, rotten to the core. But there was fantastic news coming out of the election, which was the death throes of the cashless debit card. That was actually a uh, An election promise that uh, the cashless debit card, which is a noose around the neck of uh, the people receiving uh, social security payments, uh, which was being threatened to uh, run right across the country uh, if, if the LNP were returned, and was going to basically fill the coffers of private enterprise as they made lots of money out of poverty. Lots of money in poverty except for the poor people who are poor. Uh, but anyway, the end of the cashless debit card on the back of the Auditor-General's report that it's not fit for purpose and it is a fulfilment of a important election promise. And I'll follow that up because, of course, it's really important news. We'll see how it's actually going to play out. Um, where uh, I made a A a grievous error in my scripting for uh, the um, Stick Together program. I I got uh, fooled. Of course, Mabo Day was not on tomorrow. It was on Friday, June the 3rd. It's always June the 3rd and it is always the bookend to Reconciliation Week. And so in the program today, um, I didn't forget about it in real life. Uh, I did go down to Federation Square and uh, there was a gathering of people uh, to commemorate uh, Mabo Day and so I've got a report from that particular event. Uh, we and what is on uh, June the fifth is actually Environment Day, which is an interesting day to uh, have straight after reconciliation week i 'll have to say uh, it, a very uh, perfect perfect placement and I uh, chatted with Dr. Rebecca Patrick, who um, is a volunteer with the Hobson's Bay Wetland Center. And uh, there's going to be, down there, they're going to have a, an event at the Newport Community Hub from 12 to 3, talking about various aspects of the uh, local environment down there. Uh, it's fascinating uh, because, of course, there's the global issues of the environment, but then there's the very local aspect as well. So we find out about that. This is the week that was. And uh, an important uh, finishing off report for the program today is No Crime, No Time, Fix Victoria's Bail Laws Now campaign launch. So we'll find out more about that. But of course, Radiothon is upon us. It will be happening in the mid part of June Uh, if you want to keep... The airways full of 3CR and programs like Solidarity Breakfast. You know you can donate by going online, 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. You can phone us. Uh, you can, uh, between 9 and 5pm, uh, you can come down to the station. We'd love to see you. We're allowed to see you now at 21 Fitzroy Uh, Smith Street, Fitzroy. Uh, Also, you can send a cheque. You can uh, send it to our PO Box, 1277 Collingwood. Or you can uh, direct deposit, but you need to ring us up and we'll tell you how to do that. Uh, Here's a reminder.
6: 3CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser launches
7: in June.
1: We need your financial support to be independent, community-controlled and focus on people rather than profits.
7: Your support during Radiothon keeps the station strong and enables us to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year.
1: And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax
7: deductible. 3CR Radiothon, show your support during June 2022.
6: 3CR, keep community strong.
1: The revolution
4: in Rojava is a beacon of hope for the world. Putting direct democracy and feminism into practice on a broad scale. This radical attempt at social transformation now faces huge challenges, including daily attacks by the Turkish military with little outside recognition or aid. Show your support for Rojava by joining Northeast Syria Solidarity, or NESSS, NESS, and help ensure the survival of this inspiring experiment in social change. N E S sends aid, raises awareness, and builds solidarity. Get involved at www.nesssolidarity.org.au. Ness is a 3CR supporter.
0: Online and in cinema... Melbourne Documentary Film Festival will be running online from the 1st to the 31st of July and at Cinema Nova from the 21st to the 31st of July. Canvassing the world's best docos from South by Southwest, Tribeca and Hot Docs, as well as the best Australian content. Check out the lineup and book today at mdff.org.au or cinemanova.com.au. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. You're with Annie on 3CR Breakfast on Saturday and uh, we are going to go straight down to Federation Square. It was yesterday at uh, Friday, uh, the June the 3rd. It was 12pm and uh, this is what happened to celebrate Marbo's Day.
8: My is Joseph Toscano. Welcome to Mabo Day. I am uh, continuing a tradition. Uh, my wife, who died on the 2nd of June 2017, initiated in 2003 to have a little celebration, 4,000 kilometres from the Torres Strait, acknowledging uh, the important work important decision that was made on the 3rd of June 1992 when the High Court of Australia believe it or not, found that this country's Indigenous inhabitants who'd been here for over 60,000 years had rights to land in law because of their prior occupation of this land. Interestingly the lead judge in the High Court, who made the determination in 1992, Justice Brennan, uh, died yesterday, oh. uh, on the same day that Ellen died five years ago. Um, so obviously the uh, the case was interesting and as we speak today there is a native title conference on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, where over a 1,000 delegates uh, from Indigenous communities across the country have come together to discuss the issue of native title. Now, what native title did is cause consternation, because for the first time in this country's colonial history, questions were asked about the legitimacy of the colonisation process because although the Marbo decision didn't acknowledge that people who had been dispossessed and forced from their land still had a continuing uh, association it did highlight that those who were able to cling to that land had rights in law. And as you know, a capitalist society is based on the concept of private investment for private profit, therefore any attack on the idea that the occupation was illegal because there'd been people here previously was an extraordinary period. And those of you who are old enough to remember 1992 will remember when the media went haywire, and the politicians went haywire and talked about bucket loads of extinguishment as far as the High Court decision was concerned. This was an interesting case, because these were ordinary people. These were people who lived on Mur or had been expelled from Mur a small island in the top in the eastern Torres Strait. And Eddie mark Marbo was working as a gardener at uh, James Cook University, I think you like the irony of that, uh, in the 70s, and he was a, he'd been a man who'd been expelled from his traditional homeland on Myrrh because he was considered to be a troublemaker. At that time, in period in time, in the 50s and 60s and the 70s, the department had total control over the lives of Indigenous people, total control. I'd like to welcome uh, Libera Toscano, my daughter. Yay. And Ellen's daughter. And our special guest, Eli Sassman, who will continue the tradition. Come and stand next to me, Eli. Okay, so he's not shy. I'm teach I'm teaching them young. Hello, Eli. I'm pleased you could make it. So in 20. 20- in 2002, this whole square was full of people celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Marbo decision. The May pros- people who were involved in the decision had come down to Melbourne to celebrate that 10th anniversary. There was a dance uh, crew from uh, the Torres Strait. There were uh, people, uh, there were survivors of the legal action, because the legal action was taken by three people: Eddie Cookey Mabo, Father Passy, and Grandfather Rice. Although Eddie Eddie was the principal, he had these other two uh, Torres Strait Mer elders were involved in the court case. The court case drifted through the courts in Queensland for ten years. This is during the Balky Peterson period. And then, with the assistance of a pro bono legal firm based here in Melbourne, it uh, eventually found its way to the Supreme Court. Sorry, the High Court, it went to the Supreme Court, then the High Court in Canberra. And on the 3rd of June 1992, the High Court found that Indigenous Australians had rights to land in law. But more importantly, it found that when the flag was planted in 1770, and James Cook claimed the east coast of Australia on behalf of the British Crown, believe it or not, there were actually people living here. Because if you go through the legal fiction, it was based on this concept of terra nullius. The land, of no one, because they couldn't see any towns and cities. So, So why do we gather? Now, in the Torres Strait, this is a public holiday and there will be hundreds if not thousands of people celebrating that decision. On the Sunshine Coast, as I said today, there is a huge confluence of native title with delegates from all over the, the country looking at this issue. Now there has been a lot of work in the last 20 years done to water down the Mabo decision and to actually water down the importance of that judicial finding. Where the colonisers found the colonisation was based on the wrong principle. And that's the key. They found that. Now, Ellen Jose uh, was the chair of the Wangai Association in 2002. She gave a speech at Melbourne Town Hall uh, uh, introducing Eddie Mabo's family who'd come down in 2002 and uh, and spoke on behalf of the Wangai Association. Now, in the Torres Strait, there's a tradition and this is a very cheeky piece of sculpture which the Alan Jose Memorial Foundation still holds and the tradition is very simple that three to four years after somebody has died there is what's called a tomb opening ceremony, now they don't open the tomb you can relax, what they do is they set up a headstone and that's the end of the morning period they set up a headstone to acknowledge that. So in 1995, 1996, Ellen had this great idea of uh, doing a tomb opening for Terra Nullius. And if you look at the inscription on the sculpture, it says, rest in peace, Terra Nullius, 26th of January, 1788 to the 3rd of June, 1992. And to our chagrin, Although Ellen has got many paintings and installations in many public institutions in this country, not one public institution was willing to buy that work. Although it toured around Australia for over a year, so at some stage we will reconstruct that. Uh, for that. But again, that's a cheeky, ironical take on the on the tomb, on the uh, on the decision. So, I remember we've been here, sometimes we'd come here and there'd be only three or four of us, sometimes there'd be a few more, sometimes there'd be less. Unfortunately, you'll find that the further south you go from the Torres Strait Islands, the less interest there is in the Mabo, Day, Mabo decision. But so without the Mabo decision, all these land claims that have been have now been successful, although they've had to fight through the courts, all these this is Ellen trying to tell me to get it to shut up, alright?
2: All these
8: <laughs> land claims that have gone through the courts would never have gone through. Unfortunately there are negative aspects to the land rights to the native title legislation where it pits so called traditional owners against other traditional owners. We are now finding state governments like the Victorian state government which has gone on this reconciliation uh, journey, picking and choosing which group will represent uh, people, Indigenous people, and currently there are a number of court cases in the federal courts where what the the Victorian government has been doing is picking and choosing the weaker uh, associations And freezing out the more radical association. And what that means is that they have no rights to uh, participate in any official function. And it's quite a, there are a number of federal court cases now going down that track, and there's been a number of federal court cases. But that's got, again, that is an an unhappy uh, event. But all I can say is it's great to see you all here. I'd like to thank Eli for making you all the way here. Did you walk? No, right, okay. It would have been about 30 kilometres if we walked. <laughs> you, would have, you would have started about 3 o'clock in the morning, eh? You want to say hello to everybody?
9: Hi. <laughs> I don't <really> like.
8: <laughs> Hi. Yeah, he's, uh, He helped us uh, uh, last week on, on uh, Flag Raising Day. He was giving out the awards to the students in Bayside who've done uh, some beautiful artwork and I recommend you go and have a look at that. You can do it on on site, just go to the Bayside uh, City Council uh, website. Now I'm also going to do an invitation. Uh, I want all of you to think seriously about coming to uh, the Ellen Jose Art Award uh, which will be uh, finalised on the 2nd of July. It's a uh, joint effort by the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation. Bayside City Council and the Bayside Gallery. It was a national competition for female artists between 18 and 35. Helen left two instructions in her will, and one of those was to promote the idea of reconciliation, which this is part of that, and the other one was to actually uh, organise support for young female artists or people who identify as female. So it's, it's a wide definition uh, It includes... Because Ellen was not just a First Nations person, she was an internationalist, uh, she was an anarchist, she understood the universal story of human existence, she met First Nations people from around the world, including Canada and Japan and many other... China and many other places, so she understood the international... So that'll be at 2 o'clock. You don't need an invitation, you just turn up... If you keep looking at Facebook pages and that, you'll uh, you'll see information about that. But uh, we'd like to make that, it's the inaugural uh, Art Award. It was a national award. There are six finalists, I think one from each state. Uh, A wide range of uh, women, young women, uh, from diverse backgrounds, asylum seekers, refugees, indigenous people, you know, you name it. Uh, There was over 400 entries for the first uh, competition. So, anybody would like to stand next to Eli, who's the master of ceremonies here, and uh, say a few words. Jacob, I'd like to invite you, as another representative of the indigenous community. Uh, Jacob is, the, uh, is uh, a great friend. Even the <laughs> West Parkwoods came and sang to Alan when she dying. Thanked for that, and they came and sang at their funeral. Now Jacob is a guerrilla fighter. He spent over a decade in jail, most of it in solitary confinement. He's one of the senior members of the West Papua Transitional Government, and uh, obviously the struggle for human rights is not just a struggle limited to this country's First Nations people and everybody else in this country who's treated as second-rate citizen. But. Uh, West Papua is 67 kilometres. Mr Albanese, would have gone to uh, Indonesia. He would not have raised the issue of West Papua, but he would be very happy, like Mr Morrison was, to raise the issue of human rights in China.
9: (laughs) But not willing
8: to raise the issue of human rights in West Papua We're over 500,000 people from an indigenous population around a million have died in that struggle during the crisis, you, so you be <coughs> Thank you, uh,
10: Dr. Joe, and also uh, good afternoon for all of us. Uh, today is the 3rd of June. We are in here to uh, pay our respect to uh, our indigenous
9: uh,
10: leader, uh, Mabu, and also... Um, those stand behind his struggle because this part of the basic right of human rights and when we talk about basic right of human rights, it's part of land land is the place of uh, all life keep life and they continue the generation in traditional our native believe that land is the our mother. All life grows in the land. So when our land is taken over by others, that means our life also part of this. So we stand for human life, including us. Number second is uh, we believe that uh, indigenous still live in life and God still put them to keep the life because they are part of balance of life in the world. When indigenous gone, and then modern, can, modern technology can take over and we lose life. Today, lots of people, they talk about climate change. Why? Because the land already take over. To the name of uh, technology, the name of uh, democratic, the name of all. So now the world they very confused about the situation of the world. Now. So today, uh, very simple. Uh, we come here because we are very concerned about how protect our our life, our side, but also. We should become blessed to other people, and that's why Mabo did this. And the legacy we should continue. This morning, this day also, our papuans they move, they going on the street, all city in Papua today, and also around thirteen city around Indonesian territory. This morning, I. Go- just wake up and then I look, this, our children already bloodshed now, this morning, in Jayapura. So in the Highland also, so today is uh, the day uh, our leader Mabo uh, talked about, and today our people also bloodshed ongoing now, the children movement, so around Indonesian territory, also around Papua, all organized very well, but we still try to keep our position as uh, uh, the side of uh, those struggle for our right because we talk about our land, our stand for our forest, our our mountain, our river and also our sea and New Guinea is uh, very close with Australia. So today I also share with you that I thought that's maybe uh, this is like a normal, but I think not normal, but it's part of uh, spirit. Now West Papua and also, they move today, they reorganize. And then today, this morning, start bloodshed. All children, their face is blood and all things, but they still keep. So the day today is uh, very special. Not only for Mabo, but he show us how become best freedom fighter so in West Papua we come with voice not with gun he's also come with his voice, his heart
2: and today we come to
10: continue his legacy, so once again on behalf of the people of West Papua, we still struggle, and I believe all of us still struggle as long as uh, as long as we still live in life we always struggle. And very important is uh, how to uh, send message to other uh, friend, neighbor about how important is um, Mabo stand for. And I hope that uh, every year we remembering and we celebrate his uh, legacy not only come like this one, but we can practice in our life that we should become blessed because he talked about right. he talked about how safe are the life and when land is safe and we save the human life. So I think this is a very important uh, legacy he already put to us and as indigenous people, we from New Guinea, we part of this continent because uh, before I summoned Torres Strait New Guinea and this continent, we are one place. So once again, on behalf of the indigenous people, I would like to thank you all. God bless.
4: Thank you. 3CR Community Radio giving the voice to community since 1976.
9: This is my country, I belong to no other, yeah this is my country, it's beautiful like my mother, it's beautiful like my mother. my country I belong to no other yeah this is my country it's beautiful like my mother it's beautiful like my mother respect
6: the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon.
1: We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year.
6: Independent community
1: media is vital and we need your support to keep community strong. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June.
6: To donate, go to 3cr.org.au, call the station on 03 8377,
1: or drop in at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during business hours.
6: 3CR. Keep, Keep
1: community, community strong.
0: You're back with Annie on... 3CR Breakfast on Saturday, and it is a nippy day, so you may be listening under your doona. It's probably the best place to be. Uh, Today is uh, the day before Environment Day, uh, wedged between Mabo Day and Environment Day, two auspicious dates and uh i decided that i'd find out more about uh, the hobson's bay wetland center uh, event it's uh actually uh coming out of the um uh an an event that's been put on by the council down that way uh it's going to be on at the newport community hub between 12 and 3 on sunday and uh, I had a chat with Dr Rebecca Patrick, who is one of the presenters. Her particular um, talk is going to be about uh, the, um, the wetland centre, but there's more. There's more. It's quite interesting. The whole, whole idea is to think global and uh, act local when it comes to the environment. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Rebecca Patrick, for talking to me today. You're going to give a talk on Environment Day, which is on Sunday, uh, for the uh, Hobsons Bay Wetland Centre, and you. And they t- they say that you're a, a local sustainability leader. What, what, what's that all about? Oh, look, Hobsons Bay
11: Wetland Centre. Is a local initiative, um, uh, as the name sounds, in Hobsons Bay, and um, and it was incorporated or you know developed in two thousand and eight. So it's been running for about four years. It's run by an incredible group of local volunteers, people that care about the environment and people that are care about you know, having the opportunity to connect with nature. Uh, and and uh, so we've been invited along to Newport Community Hub, who are having a, an Environment Day uh, session, and that's on between 12 and 3, and myself and uh, the president, Marilyn Office, and one of the uh, people involved in our plans for a centre development will be talking about the joys and wonders of the Hobsons Bay Wetland Centre.
0: Now, what does it mean? I know Hobson's Bay is around, the, I'm in Port Phillip and it's around the corner really. It's in Altona, right? That's right. So
11: we're currently located in the Tragonina Explosives Reserve on Queen Street in Altona. But the plans are that we're going to build close by on the H.C. Graham Reserve uh, adjacent to the, the wetlands area. And we're just uh, currently going through a process to uh, plan out and seek funding for a purpose-built wetland centre funded uh, by our local partners and, of course, and importantly, uh, for our local community and even beyond uh, to enjoy the wetlands and also the centre.
0: Tell me about the
11: wetlands. The the wetlands, uh, we... uh, we are up against—not up against—we're located by a Ramsar site, which is a really international environmental area. You know, it's internationally listed. Um, it's a beautiful environment for flora and fauna. It provides that all-important buffer between coasts and uh, the the local residents and housing, and really environmentally uh, significant and. Uh, the plan with the Hobsons Bay wetland Center is to protect the area to, to look after it and ensure that the community uh, can enjoy uh, the access to to the incredible uh, flora and fauna that we have uh, in Hobson's Bay
0: so I, I know that um, you actually are a um, senior lecturer at Deakin uni and you're a co-leader of the health nature sustainability research group is this the sort of thing that you would involve yourself in that kind of research or yeah
11: you're absolutely right so Deacon has actually partnered with hobson's bay wetland center and myself in the faculty of health and also in our science faculty um where we look after life and environmental science type uh, projects. Um, we've partnered with Hobsons Bay to, to help um, develop the plans here, here in Hobsons Bay. And so my research group, the Health Nature Sustainability Research Group, we do research on the benefits, the health benefits in particular, of human contact with nature. And there's really strong evidence and compelling evidence that we really, as humans, we need regular contact with nature for our health and wellbeing, to promote mental health, uh, also for social interaction, connecting with other community members in the natural environment, and also uh, that spiritual wellbeing of um, having the opportunity to to have your senses stimulated and uh, the smells and sights of, of nature. So that's the kind of research we do. And as a local resident, I just I just live around the corner from Altona. I saw it as an opportunity to uh, act locally whilst I'm thinking globally uh, at my work at Beacon Uni.
0: And so with the wetlands, are we talking about, um, and that interaction, are we talking about having um, building tracks Within the wetlands, that type of thing is that is that part of it, or is it part is it people involving themselves in the conservation of the wetlands? We've got lots of we've already started some activities
11: to support people to to be involved in the wetlands. We've got some citizen science underway, looking at um, the local water and tracking what's happening in the water. We also uh, have initiated walks around the wetlands. But down the track, when we are in a position to, to build our uh, actual purpose-built wetland centre, we're going to work with the natural landscape and put up some boardwalks and play spaces to support and organise the involvement in in that beautiful wetland and protect its sensitivity, but without locking people out. And that's. The absolute intention of building the wetland centre and, you know, putting a little bit of built environment in, uh, in place, such as, as you said, pathways to ensure people that can get access and enjoy it.
0: Because wetlands are lungs of, our, of the earth, aren't they? That's part of, they're part of that sort of ecosystem, aren't they?
11: Yes so critical they have so many ecosystem functions and services we call them you know they're a part of also carbon sinking and taking that carbon out of the air you know we're worried about climate change we voted on climate change recently at our federal election and they have a really important function in um in cleaning cleaning out the air protecting the the coastline and um and and the soils and everything goes with um looking after looking after the, the natural environment they're absolutely critical we've got some incredible coastline and this wetland is one we should look after
0: It is does seem quite remarkable to think about the proximity to the city like it's in the valley of the city really Hobson's Bay and I notice, I mean it's not your talk there's going to be another talk uh, about the um, shellfish reefs in Port Phillip Bay which, you know, when you think about Melbourne you don't think about nature quite so explicitly? Look, as any real estate from
11: Hobsons Bay would say, you can reach out and touch the city (laughs) uh, from the wetlands. And we're so fortunate to have, as I said, a Ramsey site um, in the borough and in the local area. Um, Thanks for pointing out about that uh, that talk. I'm really looking forward to, to presenting myself, but also tuning in to some of the other research and activities that are happening in the, uh, in the local area uh, and you 're absolutely right uh, it's a really great opportunity uh, on Sunday to go along and find out a lot more about what 's actually happening on our on our doorsteps.
0: I also think that it's really interesting that it's a council initiative. I mean this is part of the uh, Hobson's Bay Council events, and uh, it shows you the strength of local community in maintaining a uh, strong community.
11: yeah there's a- excellent collaboration work going on between you know local residents the the Hobson's Bay wetland centre committee and volunteers and the council and hobson's Bay uh, has is an incredible Supportive council, they're really on board. There's a lot of support and commitment uh, to seeing um, the development of the Hobson's Bay Wetland Centre. And uh, you know, we're really fortunate that uh, the council is so committed to to protecting these natural assets we have locally.
0: So, what's the timeline for the um, development of the? the
11: Look, we'd like to start building tomorrow, but uh, there, we are still seeking to secure um, the money to establish the centre. I'd like to say that that could happen within the next two, 12 months, but um, there's still a little bit of way to go to, to secure those funds uh but um you know let's let's hope that in the next to 3 3 to 5 years that we'll be throwing open the doors uh, to the new center and inviting the community and various other groups to to uh to be involved that said i will return to the idea that we're already operational we're currently housed uh in the Truganina building over there near the men's shed and um and Keringo Golf Club across the road from there and so we're already up and away uh, but where we're trying to get to is this purpose-built centre where we can really uh, take our existing activities to the next level. And, and
0: just on that, um, this isn't the. Uh, uh, there are are there other places that um, have developed this kind of wetlands um, centre, this kind of connection to wetlands.
11: Yeah, look, um, we have wetland centres, um,
0: oh, the names
11: escape me, but in regional Victoria on the Mornington Peninsula. But what's a little bit unique about this, um, this wetland centre and our vision, uh, which is a place where everyone can connect with nature to improve health and wellbeing and be inspired to care for our precious natural environment, is an actual explicit focus on the human element of the, of the wetland centre that we see that front and centre, that promoting health and wellbeing is an important function of this centre. So we're really concentrating on not only the conservation activities and, you know, educating people about the natural environment, but we're really putting a, a health lens or um, a wellbeing focus on on the activities of the centre. And it's one of the four key pillars is to promote health and wellbeing. And partly because... Um, uh, and that's why I'm so interested in this initiative because my, my training is in health and health promotion and I see this wetland uh, centre as an opportunity for preventing poor health and promoting um, health because, as I said before, the science is in. Uh, when you connect with nature, there is so many mental, physical and uh, social health benefits. Are you seeing outcomes already? We haven't done a formal evaluation, but anecdotally, we've had our open days. We've had many walks. We've had lots of talk sessions, sorry, um, um, guest speakers come in. And, you know, anecdotally, people are incredibly enthusiastic. You know, the numbers keep building. Our membership keeps building. We keep being invited along to events to talk about the centre. It's one of those really positive local initiatives again that you know a lot of us are worried about the impacts of climate change we're worried about you know environmental degradation and this is just a really beautiful example of doing something local and that's why people are really getting behind it because they can just see it's a it's a win-win-win uh for want of a better word
0: okay and so we'll just go through where when and where tomorrow on sunday
11: Okay, so it's at the Newport Community Hub in Hobson's Bay. It starts at 12 and goes through to 3pm. And it's all for World Environment Day, such a special day. And as you rightly pointed out, um, there's lots of activities and lots of guest speakers. And our particular group, the Hobson's Bay Wetland Centre, uh, will be speaking at one thirty to 2 o'clock on the day, on Sunday.
0: And there's even refreshments importantly, there is refreshment. Thanks very much for talking to me.
11: Of course. It's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to seeing you on Sunday.
3: Hi, I'm Rod Quantock and you're listening to Fill in the Dots. You know who you're listening to. Why do I have to tell you know who you're listening to? You know who you're listening to. You're listening to Yes, Fill in the and let's make 3CR the only source of information to an information-starved, dumbed-down Australian community. Written, authorised and spoken by Neil Mitchell.
2: It's only the ocean and you, and all of these lines will all be erased. So they go out with the tide and come back with the waves. So it's only the ocean.
1: from Fitzroy Primary and you're listening to Community Radio on 3CR.
5: A weak solidarity, Bricky Team listener, when the great exponents of the greatest little economic order of them all called on the socialist government to prove its socialist credentials by rescuing them from soaring energy prices because those great energy exponents, great transnational behemoths, charging the soaring prices had no choice but but to, given the soaring international prices for the gas and coal they are exporting. Uh, But we asked naively, obviously you could provide the energy here with the resources you extract here much, much cheaper revealing to them my vacuous ignorance of how the greatest little economic order of them all works no no the only solution to the soaring prices is for the government to prove it is socialist and assist the exponents of capitalism who at times like these have a road to Damascus conversion to socialism although that simplification is also naive as as great exponents of capitalism they are always supporters of corporate welfare socialism yet sadly again Again, we can't compete with Santos the Prophet Supremo, Kevin gore who said Santos cannot conjure up gas magically to ease the energy shortage and warned emergency measures to divert gas for export to the domestic market would be damaging. How can we compete with that? That says it all. Although while we might think the fact that they are exporting our resources at huge profit has a bit to do with the soaring domestic prices, Lord Rupert of Wapping's usual suspect, brilliant thinking columnist, bolt through the head, has fingered the problem. It's the socialist government itself. It has taken them just two weeks to destroy the energy market. Very clever socialists bent on destroying the class enemy. Bloody stupid voters well, 30% of them, 30% who handed them 100% of the spoils, yet another endorsement for the democratic values, the democracy bit of parliamentary democracy. And the great exponents of crying out for government assistance declared they were in far greater need of assistance than struggling households who would not be struggling nearly as much as the great corporations and therefore didn't need scarce government resources wasted on them. And they certainly don't need a wage rise that would further cripple the great exponents, despite a report by the Fair Work Troubler was, he no longer work choices, just looks like it, commission, showing sectors like hospitality, retail, those areas crying out for help, have in fact regained their pre-pandemic strength, undermining caring employers' cry that a wage rise for the lowest of low paid must be delayed. Well, we know caring employers will always tell us when the time is right for a wage rise, and it's just unfortunate that in the long history of capitalism, of the greatest little economic order of them all, the time has never been right, which must break the caring employer's hearts. With a huge presumption, of course, in the heart department, expressed beautifully by Claire Morgan per us an executive with the witch bank that used to be our bank, who warned a wage increase would hurt small business already dealing with high inflation and rising interest rates, factors that obviously don't affect the lowest of low paid. Oh, and she is confident the sector is set for growth, J- just not enough, apparently, to pay the lowest of low paid. No need to expand, but our old mate will cost the workers of the Two Blue Aussie Industry Profits Group, yet again supported that argument. A wage rise would destroy the world as we know it. Still, there's also good news. As the filthiest rich of the filthy rich assembled in Davos to discuss poverty, Oxfam reported that the pandemic has thrown up a new billionaire every 30 hours, while one million people fall into poverty at the same time giving those billionaires plenty to talk about. If the Santos Us the Prophets comment wasn't enough, bad news for satire, what a disgraceful bunch that hayseed and sheepshed party lot, turning a potential dream into a nightmare. We finished last week hoping beyond hope for the dream team of Constable Peter Dupper and Barnacle to head the coalition. A satirist dream we declared and how dare they thwart that promise by dumping poor Barnacle. Their new Supremo Little Proud so well named because he has nothing to be proud of. A spoil sport. But at least the caring business class party did us a favour by making Constable Duffer their Supremo and would-be big Supremo. Showing the be as depth of talent left in the rump that is their party room. The new soft, caring Pete said he would now support the robust anti-corruption commission proposed by independent Helen Haynes, so it can investigate the Socialist Party's links with militant, evil trade unions. The reason is, I think it's like, you know, more important than ever, under the all-being-oozy government, we are, you know, like going to have a... Continuation of this unholy alliance with the CFMEU, the ETU, the MUA, and the, you know, like Socialist Party, the new soft Pete got off to a big start, showing he's not the cruel, heartless, arch conservative bullhead everyone thought he was. Like it was more important before the election not to have an anti corruption authority, although maybe he hasn't thought this one through all that well, as the government plan is to use. Use a robust anti-corruption body to investigate little matters like sports rorts and car park rorts. As well, there's a list. But then, thought, of course, isn't one of Pete's strong points. Yet, to show he's absorbed the message the election massacre delivered, Pete said he would play like, you know, hardball on the socialist climate change policy because it threatens to increase prices and disrupt the reliability of supply. I wonder if anyone's mentioned to him that's the very policy people voted against, leading us to ponder what message he thinks he got. Anyway, he's off to a big start. And his deputy Susan Lees and Dregs, who went to the High Court to prove as environment pollution minister she had no duty of care to future generations, giving her carte blanche to continue destroying their environment, said she would work to win back the vote of women who deserted the coalition though she couldn't quite explain why they deserted, because she said former big supremo Scuttlebibble Ash's son, a.k.a. Scummo, had done so much for women, which we would have thought explains why, showing Susan, too, has absorbed the message. The defeated Scummo prepared to address the nation to thank it for commemorating a sorry day before, thankfully, wiser heads explained to him that it had nothing to do with him. It was for people to whose plea from the heart, statement from the heart, Scummo had responded with no heart, or as Constable Dupper explained on why he had refused to say sorry, it was because of his warm, caring self's role as a Queensland uh, copper. I was sorry that I couldn't, you know, like, legally bash the shit out of them anymore. The new caring Pete is so different, isn't he? Oh, and he's also concerned about the forgotten people in the suburbs. And here we can give him some reassurance. Pete, people in the suburbs didn't forget you or your party. And the new warm Pete just keeps giving like when the government said the Murugapan family would return to Biloela. Pete said this would encourage people smugglers and end in like tragedy. Just a pity he didn't elaborate on, like, you know, how it would encourage them and and see an end in tragedy. And we also learned this week that when Scummo pre-election said the government's hands were tied and it couldn't allow the family to return to Queensland, he had misled us. Misled? Uh, isn't that a euphemism in this case for lying? Oh no, not Scumo! Honest, great Christian Scumo. Oh, and the uh, discarded member for the Institute of Public, very, very private affairs, Tim Will smash Union son, laughingly described as a moderate. If the designation were accurate, where the mind boggles at what would be to his right, Tim said he wants to offer a constructive centre-right voice in the climate debate and energy debate. So thank goodness in the interests of that uh, debate, he is now a voice crying in the wilderness. We've got to be critical of the gross disrespect the people of Her Most Gracious Majesty's home country are showing to a nonagenarian who has been on the throne for 70 years. That's the most serious case we've ever heard of. We'd think they'd have some sympathy, although with the massive wealth she extorts from those people, we'd also think they could afford a bit of medicine for her unfortunate condition. Finally, despite Scummo thinking Sorry Day was in his honour, he was wrong yet again. But as we hold Reconciliation Week, we must concede our Indigenous brothers and sisters showing they are a lot more caring than... uh, and Constable Duffer and Innes will cost the workers by being prepared to reconcile with those who, in 230 years, have done so much to destroy their country and its inhabitants. Perhaps we should contribute by reversing the destruction. Oh dear, the Santos the Prophet's boardroom has collapsed. A sorry day. Good morning.
11: You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR.
10: No crime, no time. Fix Victoria's bail loss now.
12: Prisons are bursting at the seams with poor people. Istra Melbourne is calling on the Victorian government to release unsentenced people on remand from Victorian prisons. First Nations people are 3% of the population, yet represent 29% of the general prison population.
10: 89% of First Nations women entering prison are unsentenced.
12: ISJA Melbourne is asking you to sign the No Crime, No Time petition.
10: Which can be found on ISJA Melbourne's Facebook page.
12: Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. Yeah, and uh,
0: you're back with Annie on uh, 3CR's breakfast show. And uh, I attended the launch of the ISJ uh, No Crime, No Time Fix Victoria's Bail Law Now campaign. And uh, I thought it would be worthwhile hearing some of the voices of people who were up close to the outcomes, very negative outcomes of the reactive bail laws that were brought in uh, as a law and order uh, response... And we're entering into the next phase of uh, Victorian elections because it's they're coming up in November. You thought that uh, just when you thought it was safe to leave the house after the federal election, we're going to be leading into the Victorian election in November, and uh, the, the uh, Aboriginal Legal Service. Uh, Indigenous Social Justice Association as well are uh, leading the charge in uh, trying to make the, see the necessity of making the No Crime, No Time campaign an important element in this election. First up, we've got Karen Fletcher. She's from an organisation called Flat Out.
6: I'd like to go to Karen Fletcher from Flat Out.
13: Hello, and thank you for the invitation. I'm Karen, I'm the Executive Officer at FlatOut. I'm coming to you from, also from the lands of the Wurundjeri Woi of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and the Aboriginal people with us tonight, and to the struggle of the Aboriginal people against incarceration as a weapon of col- colonialism in this country, which continues and expands today. And remember all the struggles of people who have been imprisoned I think in Australia's first prisons. Lots of people trace back imprisonment in Australia to the convicts, but um, probably the biggest parallel to the prisons that we see operating around us today is the prison islands and other sort of penal um, facilities that gathered Aboriginal people and removed them from their land and particularly targeted leaders of the Aboriginal resistance to invasion and colonisation. And I think We need to develop in Australia a bit of an analysis of that to ground us as we build this campaign and campaigns like it in the history of this country, uh, as, say, for example, Angela Davis and other writers have done in the United States with their analysis of how slavery has been the genesis of the racist uh, mass incarceration regime in in the US. No doubt in my mind that um, it's the invasion and colonisation and the dispossession of aboriginal people from their land that's the basis for the prison system we see today and why it is it remains so racist and causes the death as we've noted of so many aboriginal people including here our own sisters veronica nelson and Ms. Cal garrett in the last two years at the dame phyllis Frost center so flat out is a an organization that's been around for 33 years we're in the queen victoria women's center at the moment we're part of a campaign at the moment the homes not prisons campaign it's a letter letter campaign um, that we're in with a bunch of other organisations and individuals. It's led by people with lived experience of imprisonment and criminalisation and by First Nations women. So yes, we, uh, we started off as an organisation called Women Against Prison um, in the time of the Fairly Women's Prison. And uh, it's hard to imagine now that there were less than 100 women in prison in Victoria at that time when when uh, Women Against Prison was organising um, against the placement of prison from fairly into the men's prison and the Jaika unit at Pentridge. Um, and then against the closure of Fairley Women's Prison and the construction of the mega prison for women, Dame, now called Dame Phyllis Frost. So, yeah, we've gone from you know, less than 100 women incarcerated to now uh, reached a height in 2018 of around 550 women. Dame Phyllis has capacity for 605. And what we're campaigning against in the in the Homes Not Prisons campaign is the expansion of the capacity of Dame Phyllis Frost from uh, 605 to add another... Uh, 106 beds to take it to 611. Um, And the reason for that expansion is because of the bail laws. So you're you're going straight to the root cause of why prisons are expanding in Victoria. The numbers uh, of women who are in Dame Phyllis Frost who have not been convicted of any offence are extraordinary. They're now over 60% of the population of the prison and 80% of women who come into the prison every month are coming on remand. They've been charged with offences, but they have not been convicted of anything. And the majority of them are never convicted of anything. There's a proportion who go on to win their trials. There's a bigger proportion who go on to plead guilty um, and get a what's called a time served for the time that they've spent on remand for, for the offences. And the, the pressure on women to do that, even if they've got a defence uh, to the charges is enormous. And that's because the majority of them are mothers And they're desperate to get out to their children and their children need them. uh, And, uh, you know, in many cases in state care or residential care or other unsafe situations. And women have a choice. You can stay in prison on remand for a year or two years waiting for your trial, or you can plead guilty, whether you did it or not, and be released on time served and get home to your kids. And you know what women are going to choose. So there's a vast underreporting of the number of women who actually are not guilty of anything but have, had, have been pressured to force to plead guilty because of all those pressures, um, and that we see that far too often. We work with women uh, coming out of prison to give them support through housing and other supports that they need when they come out, and the impact of the pressure on them, because the first thing on their mind is to take care of their children. the pressure of this, this overuse of remand is is enormous. I'll just say a couple of things about the cost of this vastly increasing population of women in prison and particularly Aboriginal women in prison. I think as the other speakers have said, the fastest growing prison population in Victoria is women and even faster is Aboriginal women. It's it's disproportionate. Um, And that is because of the the bail laws and and how they're they're operating to um, imprison people who pose no risk to community safety um and don't have the access to legal representation and services to 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 deal with that the cost of the expansion of dame phyllis cross is 188.9 million dollars just for the buildings. that's not running costs and we calculated that that would purchase 1,000 uh public housing units um so what that's our name homes not prisons because we're saying let's not spend this money on prisons let's spend it on public housing which is what criminalised women and their kids need to be able to stay together and live lives safely and free of violence. The use of money in Victoria for prisons and police is a scandal. Uh, this, this expansion is just part of a $1.8 billion expansion that was in the 2019-20 budget for all prisons across Victoria, and that includes the new mega prison, thousands of beds at Chisholm Road in Geelong for men. I mean, of course, the same thing is happening in the men's system. Um, It's just that the the men's population is not growing as fast as the women's population. And yeah, flat out is the women's organisation. So we look at this through a gender lens. Because we're talking about women, they are much more likely to be primary carers, i.e. mothers for children and have primary responsibility. The other gender issue that is relevant is that they are almost 100% survivors of childhood sexual abuse, family violence, or other forms of violence. And many of them are self-medicating for the trauma that has never been treated through the use of illicit drugs. And it's actually the, the use of those drugs that sees them criminalised in many cases. So we're also a supporters of the decriminalisation of drugs and the provision of um, rehabilitation rather than imprisonment. As you've seen through the Veronica Nelson inquiry, it's been reported in the news, you, you will know that prisons are extremely harmful and dangerous places. Uh, You will have seen that Veronica was locked um, in a cell which had a sign on the door that said, do not open, even though she was incredibly unwell uh, and nobody had a key to get her out and she died in there screaming out in pain. And the officer who was on duty at the time, who uh, heard all of that through the intercom, told the coroner's inquiry that there was nothing unusual about that shift. She didn't uh, go and check Veronica at the end of her shift. Um, She thought Veronica had fallen asleep. So she left her shift at eight o'clock in the morning without even knowing that Veronica had died. And she told the court that it was a normal shift. So that means that that happens every night in the Yarri unit, which is the remand unit at DPFC. It's happening tonight. It happened last night. It happens every shift. People are coming in withdrawing from from drugs without proper medical treatment because the medical treatment provided by WellPath, the US conglomerate at DPFC is is completely inadequate. Um, And um, yeah, people are just left to withdraw by themselves. And as we know, Veronica was already in very poor health and that's the case for a lot of Aboriginal women and and women in the system. They come from backgrounds of poverty and trauma and do suffer um, poor health already. getting locked in a cell with no treatment um, to withdraw by themselves without support is incredibly dangerous. And Veronica died, but there are plenty more women who came close to death or suffered enormous trauma in those cells and expanding them is unconscionable. Um, So we're very pleased to, to support the campaign against the bail laws, that onus of proving that you're not a risk to anybody Uh, should not be on the women that are dragged before the court by the police. The police should be under an obligation. I mean, God knows they get enough funds for them to be able to put together a case as to why somebody poses a risk. They didn't do that work in relation to Gargasulis and look what happened. And if you read the Gargasulis coronial inquest, you'll see that the coroner tore strips off the police because it was very clear that that person did pose a risk and the police did not do the work to... um, to make sure that that risk was addressed. And now they've put that failure onto women and other um, people, vulnerable people being put in prison. Thank you so much for the invitation. Flat Out is right behind this campaign.
11: You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR.
6: So now I'm going to go to Alison Thorne from Istia, Melbourne, or Istia Nam.
4: Okay, well, um, Thank you, and um, it's fantastic um, to be following um, on from um, four very amazing speakers. Thank you to Jane at the start on behalf of Isja for her acknowledgement, which I um, echo. Now, the Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is really keen uh, to work with others to generate as much community pressure as possible around the demand to remove the reverse onus provision in Victoria's bail laws ahead of the November state election. History history is something that tells us that state elections can tend to become a dismal law and order race to the bottom with governments and oppositions trying to outbid each other on more spending for police and prisons, increased police powers and a grab bag of general tough-on-crime repressive measures. Our goal of this campaign is to collaborate with those who are already passionate about this issue, like those who've logged in this evening, But we also want to reach out and connect with those who've not thought a lot about these issues. We want to provide factual information and convince them that a key election issue is that Victoria's bail laws must change now. Tragically, much of the work of the movement campaigning to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody goes into the very necessary work of supporting grieving families, of attending coroner's court hearings and protesting after yet another death in custody has happened. And one of the things that we know all too well is that the central finding of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody last century was that First Nations people are dying at such a shocking rate in police and prison custody because they are massively overrepresented due to racial profiling and other factors? And a crucial recommendation was that imprisonment must be the sanction of very last resort. The no crime. No Time Fix Victoria's Bail Laws Now campaign is a proactive effort taking aim at a central cause of the ballooning imprisonment rate in this state. And every night, as Karen has just said, we have people on remand, just like Ms Nelson Walker, who are denied bail and locked up for very minor infringements that are so petty that they don't even result in a prison sentence. So we have three key demands that the Victorian government must act on. We want to get unsentenced people who were on remand out of Victorian prisons. We want to remove the reverse onus provisions in the Bail Act. And we want to create a presumption in favour of bail, placing the onus on the prosecution to demonstrate why bail should not be granted. Nationally, imprisonment rates are currently the highest they've been for a century. Just think about that for a minute. They're well above the OECD average. Incarceration in Australia is the third highest in the OECD, just behind Turkey and Colombia. They've been steadily um, increasing um, since the 1980s. The number of people per 100,000 who are in prison has more than doubled since then. The rate of increase has climbed um, most steeply In the 21st century so the situation is actually getting worse and worse and we simply cannot allow this to continue. The imprisonment rate is the highest in the Northern Territory and Western Australia but all jurisdictions including Victoria have seen imprisonment rise and rise significantly. Late last year is just studied the Productivity Commission's report, Australia's Prison Dilemma, and this research examined how Australia's approach to imprisonment is failing. Now, I have to say it's an important report, even though it's not a radical report. It's merely one where the analysis is data-driven and the data is powerful. In 2019-20, the prison system cost taxpayers $5.2 billion. Think about that figure. The system costs $330 per prisoner per day. And when it comes to cost, our view in ISJA is clear. Imagine if that money was spent on increased public housing, on increasing New Start on addressing health issues such as addiction and mental health, and importantly, on culturally safe programs led by First Nations communities. Instead of funding more COPs and building more prisons, we want to see resources redirected to much-needed community support, and that's why we too are enthusiastic supporters of the Homes Not Prisons campaign. The Productivity Commission explains the bulging prisons across the country, including here in Victoria, concluding that this is a result of policy choice. In other words, it's because of what governments choose to do. A result of these choices, um, as a result of these choices, the criminal justice system is seriously going in the wrong direction. So um, let's look at the choices made in Victoria. Um, And Karen has um, already talked a little bit about this. In 2017, the Victorian government made a policy choice to respond to saturation media coverage after two high-profile crimes committed by people on bail. Adrian Bailey, and James Gargasoulis. And as a result, Victoria now has the toughest bail laws in the country. The average time on remand in Victoria is 5.7 months. It's a bloody disgrace. And those paying the price, who we've heard this evening, are women and First Nations people with First Nations women doing it toughest of all. Consider this. In Victoria, 53% of women in prison are on remand and 89% of First Nations women entering prison have not been sentenced. Many of these people are mothers who are then separated from their children, resulting in further trauma. Now, ISJA Melbourne characterises this as a racist and sexist disgrace. Change is needed and the time frame is urgent. We don't have time. We don't have years to wait. The time to act is now. The other interesting aspect of the Productivity Commission data is that it shows that while imprisonment rates just continue to go through the roof, up and up, taking an evidence-based approach, the data shows that crime rates are actually going down. When all the information is put together, the Productivity Commission concludes, while imprisonment growth is driven by different factors in each jurisdiction, there's a common move towards more punitive policy approaches seen in increasing sentence lengths and a higher likelihood of receiving a prison sentence So what does Isge Melbourne want to achieve from this campaign? These are our objectives. We want to build awareness in the community about the drivers behind the ballooning imprisonment rates and educate about the key findings from the Productivity Commission report, Australia's Prison Dilemma, that I've just spoken about. We want to challenge the knee-jerk law and order agenda and highlight how such responses are key reasons why the central recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody
12: have not been implemented.
10: No crime, no time. Fix Victoria's bail laws now.
12: Prisons are bursting at the seams with poor people. Istra Melbourne is calling on the Victorian government to release unsentenced people on remand from Victorian prisons. First Nations people are 3% of the population, yet represent 29% of the general prison population.
10: 89% of First Nations women entering prison are unsentenced.
12: ISJA Melbourne is asking you to sign the No Crime, No Time petition,
10: which can be found on ISJA Melbourne's Facebook page.
12: Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is a 3CR supporter.
2: Ciao
4: ragazzi, un saluto alla 3CR
2: Hi everybody, we are Agricantus, so you are listening 3CR Community Radio. Don't stop listening music telling about people.
6: Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical, community-owned media during our Radiothon.
1: We'll be taking donations online, over the phone and in the station to help keep 3CR going for another year.
6: Independent community media is
1: vital and we need your support to keep community strong. The 3CR Radiothon kicks off in June.
6: To donate, go to 3cr.org.au, call the station on 03 9419 8377
1: or drop in at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during business hours.
6: 3CR. Keep, Keep community, community strong.
0: And that's it for breakfast this morning. Coming up next is Asia Pacific Currents. We uh, went to the Mabo event down on uh, Federation Square yesterday. We uh, heard about uh, an upcoming event tomorrow on Environment Day down at uh, the uh, uh, Newport uh, Community Hub. Uh, Starting at 12, going to 3. This is the week that was. And uh, we followed that up with uh, No Crime, No Time uh, campaign launch. As I said, Asia Pacific Currents is coming up next. And uh, we're going to go out with a bit of Colin Hay.
7: Well, I love the Lone Ranger. I love that Dennis Lowell. Him and George Best Sure knew how to kick a ball I wanted to be a cowboy And learn to crack a whip Stand up in that lonely street To six guns on my hip Along the mighty Beatles came And everyone went, ah! They could play and sing and everything And of course that John could draw Well that was it for me I never once looked back Tricks to land and weaves to catch. I had a plan of attack. Are you looking at me? Are you looking at me? Are you looking at me? Are you looking at me, looking at me pal? Then we headed south. Crashing in, from black and white to color, from innocence to sin. It was summer in December, blowing heat waves in my mind. People talking funny, some cruel and some were kind. From the crackle of the cane to the frown of a big black snake, from the breakers at Bondi down to Wollongong Lake, from the sound of a million flyscreen doors. In the past, like that chimney, the fires couldn't burn. I was built to last.
1: Did you enjoy listening to this podcast? 3CR is a community radio station, and you, the listener, are part of that community. Right now, it's our radiothon, and we need you to pitch in with a few dollars to keep the station going. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donation really matters. Help keep community strong for another year.